All right, Brian Geltzeiler, who's a host on Sirius XM NBA Radio and can be seen all the time on NBA TV. He is one of the best basketball minds that we speak with, and you can find him on Twitter at NBA. NBA. And I'll start with this one because this is funny for us. It's the final football Friday of the year. It's the Friday before the Super Bowl, and we are talking NBA with an NBA guy. And I wonder if you've noticed or have kind of perked up interest. Uh, NBA stole a little bit of the shine from the NFL this week, no? A little? A lot, man. Because, listen, Super Bowl week's huge. Don't get me wrong. But between LeBron James breaking one of the great records in all of sports, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time NBA scoring record, and then one of the three biggest stars in the league getting traded, um, like in the middle of the night Wednesday night. And then, I mean, yesterday's trade deadline was crazy. I was I was doing the trade deadline show, Hawk, with your old buddy Evan Cohen on NBA radio, and we couldn't believe how fast the trades were flying in. We couldn't analyze them fast enough. It was a wild, wild day. And, and right now, listen, with the breakup of the Nets and Irving in Dallas and Durant in Phoenix, the Lakers redoing half their roster around LeBron right after LeBron breaks, breaks the record. All this talk about Anthony Davis not being very happy with LeBron. Right now, the NBA is really on the front pages. I mean, that game is going to be played on Sunday, and everybody's going to be talking about it on Monday because that's what the NFL is. But I kind of feel like, you know, the NBA can have a little bit of a low in February when the Super Bowl ends before we get to March Madness. And I actually think this week pushes some interest in terms of momentum for people to be watching the NBA a heck of a lot closer now because there's a lot of good stuff to watch after the Super Bowl on Sunday when it comes to the NBA. And Gilts, you talk about Wednesday night, man, because when Ky- when the Kyrie thing went down, that was the big fish. And we were talking about it was a slow trade period. And then overnight, it just blew up. And then at the deadline, deadline, uh, what was that, Thursday at 4, everything went crazy. Did Kyrie start it? Like, if Kyrie never asked to leave Brooklyn, would all of these pieces fell into place like they did? Some of them would have, uh, Channing. It's an interesting question because there's de- – listen, Durant doesn't get moved if Kyrie doesn't ask out. And that's the big move of all of this. I think a lot of these deals would have been done, maybe not all of them. The way the NBA operates when it comes to stars being available is that – Teams will not make lesser deals if they think they have an outside chance at a star that's available. So you get in certain situations like a bottleneck where things back up, where there's deals after to be made, but teams aren't making them because why am I going to turn around and throw a draft pick here where that draft pick can help me get a Kevin Durant? You know, and like so you get that kind of bottleneck. Having Kyrie go when he did on Sunday and Durant going in the middle of the night, Wednesday night into Thursday morning, it freed Thursday up for everybody to say, okay, we didn't get our guy. Now we have to go out. We don't have to necessarily hold on to some of these assets we would trade otherwise to go improve our team. And so I think that was those two guys going, I think, to your point, absolutely created more action than maybe we would have had otherwise. They were uh, talking on Get Up this morning on ESPN, and the question was, is the Brooklyn Big Three the biggest NBA disaster in history? Is it? It's close, I have to say. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes we get some recency bias here, Hawk. Look, the one thing I would say that competes a little bit with that is we all very quickly forget the 2012 Lakers, which was Dwight Howard, Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, and Pau Gasol. 
And if you remember, they fired Mike Brown after going 0-5, five games into the season. They were a pretty big disaster, too. Now, that was a one-year team, though. This was a three-and-a-half-year era. But really, it was a two-and-a-half-year era because Durant didn't play the first year. It's, it's a big disaster. But I'll also say this. The Nets landed on their feet, guys. They really did. If you look at the young athletic roster they have, this is a league where everybody's chasing these athletic wings, these 3D guys. That's a loaded with them. The other thing is they reloaded on picks. And keep this in mind about this Phoenix deal. So, all right, the Nets don't have their 23 and 25 picks that that go to Houston in the Harden deal. There's another swap out there in 26 with the Harden deal that they still have. They get Phoenix picks in 23 and 25, which are not going to be high picks. We understand that. How about the 27 and 29 picks? I mean, I know we're talking about, you know, players that are 13 years old right now, but in 2029, the Nets have two unprotected picks. Like, they've reloaded draft capital, and this is a fun team, and I happen to be of the opinion that Mikael Bridges can become a star in this league very shortly. I think they did really, really, considering that they were under the circumstances they were, they did really well. No one was going to give them any anywhere close to the value that they got from Dallas for Kyrie. An unprotected first-round pick, Finney Smith and Dinwiddie, oh my God. Like, they did really well there. So, listen, it's a big disaster what happened in Brooklyn. And I'll tell you guys, I've told the story at a couple of places, and I think it's it's an important one to tell right now. 2019, I was in Vegas for Summer League, and I was standing waiting for a cab at the win next to Sean Marks. And I struck up a conversation with him, and I had met him before. And I congratulated him on getting Kyrie and KD. And he looked at me, and he said, well, thank you. He's like, and I know anybody in my spot when they came to you would have taken them. He's like, but it's got to work on the court. And I don't know that it can work on the court. It's like, maybe it can, maybe it can't. It's worth the try. He's like, but don't congratulate me yet. This hasn't worked yet. And while I watched all this stuff unwind over the course of the last week, week and a half, those words in my head became pretty prophetic. Mark's had an idea that this may be a tough thing for them to shoehorn in because they were making a major culture shift on the fly, a big time turn. And it was something that was, wasn't done all that gracefully. And whose fault is that? Because we know Kyrie has his stuff off the court stuff and his wild, you know, thoughts about life. But KD has won a championship. He went to another team and, and was successful in Golden State. And then, um, you know, other, other guys move around, Gelsey. Is, it a, is Kyrie the problem of this? Because you have James Harden, Kyrie, and KD. You should have been a way damn better team. Yes. Well, yes. Hey, listen, Kyrie was a big problem. They let Kyrie, they let Kevin Durant have way too much control from a very early stage um, to the point of letting Kevin Durant have them hire Steve Nash as a head coach. And Steve Nash was a wonderful player. He was in over his head as a head coach. That that was apparent at a pretty early stage. And although his rotation management theories were not bad, there was a lot of moving parts there. His X's and O's were not good. And and so hire, not hiring a guy that had coaching experience because of what Durant wanted, that was a big mistake. The Harden trade was an enormous disaster on both ends. Trading for him was an enormous disaster. I mean, the Nets go in the tank and trade Irving and Durant this week. They're throwing a parade in Houston because they got all those, they got two more picks and a swap there. Um, so that was a disaster. And what you sent out, I mean, Jared Allen was an all-star last year. Karis LeVert's a good player. Everything worked around those guys. You know, they, they ended up sending out Dinwiddie, who's now back. But it's, everything worked. Those guys were really good complimentary players around Kyrie and KD. 
And then you had what you needed to do to send Harden out. Harden had a hammer over their heads with the opt-out at the end of the year. Because anywhere else they sent him besides Philly, he could turn around and say, well, I'm not staying, which reduced the asset haul. So in the end, as much as we blame the Nets for trading for Ben Simmons, if they were going to trade James Harden, which they had to do, they were going to lose him. They didn't have a choice. They had to trade for Ben Simmons. So, but my part of my point in all this is it's Joseph Sy's fault from the beginning for allowing Durant all the power because he was able to back them into a corner. This is what I will say to NBA owners in the future who have players that try to exercise power on them. Do what you think is right, regardless of what they tell you and what they say and what they threaten. Because if you do what they tell you to do and they're wrong and you listen to them, it's still your fault and they will still punish you for it. And that, and so we've seen it with LeBron countless numbers of times. You have to be willing to push back, you know? And again, there's, I, I've had that conversation with guys that are team presidents and NBA teams right now. The better ones are willing to push back on their stars. And you know what happens when you do that? You command some respect because if you're good at your job, you're going to be right more than you're wrong. Brian Geltzeiler is with us. You hear him on NBA radio. You see him on NBA TV. So let's look at it through the prism of the heat here. I was goofing at the beginning of the show today where I said, ah, tonight you get to see the new look heat first time after the, the trade deadline, but it's the same heat. Um, a lot of Heat fans were hoping Kyle Lowry and his contract would get moved. He wasn't, obviously. So the Heat come out of the trade deadline week having gotten rid of Dwayne Dedman. So they have two open roster spots. Um, but what can they do in the buyout market? I mean, I guess that because they, they don't have enough right now to compete in the East, do they? No, they do not. And, and unfortunately for them, the way the buyout market's shaking out is it probably doesn't have the right guy for them. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them bring in another point guard, and there are a handful of point guards. But to me, when I look at what's missing with the Heat, is they did not appropriately replace P.J. Tucker. And I think that's the big difference between last year's team and this year's team. And although I like Caleb Martin a lot, I think he's better off coming off the bench. I just do. The problem is with the buyout. And listen, they could go get somebody in the buyout market, a John Wall. I've, you know, I've heard Westbrook's name been, been brought up when it comes to the Heat. Um, Reggie Jackson's out there, and he certainly can hit shots. Another guy that fits Heat culture pretty well is Patrick Beverly. So you could certainly bring him in and get a little bit of grit there. So there's something out there for them to add to this team. The problem that they have is twofold. Number one, you mentioned they would try to trade Kyle Lowry. They did. I mean, they couldn't trade him, but it wasn't for a lack of trying, man. They tried to trade Kyle Lowry to everybody. The other problem that they have is they are hamstrung by this Duncan Robinson contract. It, that's the spot that you would need to move somebody in who could productively help you. And the thing is, the, the margin for error in the Eastern Conference is as such that you can't have a guy like Robinson that's pulling in $18 million a year and is when he's healthy, he doesn't really play all that much and doesn't play that well. And now he's not healthy. Like it's, he's been the major issue for them. And I know a package they offered out a lot was Robinson, Jovic in a first round pick and teams just weren't biting on that. Any conversation the key had trade wise with other teams, the name that kept coming up was Tyler hero. And that was a non-starter for the heat. It was a guy they were not willing to deal. And I don't blame them. So it was tough sledding for Miami here, but again, the Robinson contract continues to haunt them in a very big way. And all the trades made Phoenix real, real good. Is that the biggest takeaway from the trade deadline? Phoenix is going to be a hell of a player. Or a hell so of a team? Get, that's, that's the most obvious, Channing, is Phoenix has gotten a lot better. 
Durant, when Booker gets back, they were able to keep Aiton in all this, which I can't tell you how huge that is for them. Um, and Chris Paul doesn't have to score now. Chris Paul can be a distributor, which is a better role for him at this stage of his career. They're going to need to use the buyout market to rebuild some depth. A little sneaky thing that happened in this Brooklyn trade, bringing TJ Warren in with Kevin Durant helps them a lot and gives them some depth that they lost in making this trade because they weren't that deep in the first place. The two other interesting stories from the trade deadline are in L.A., the Lakers and the Clippers. Listen, the Lakers remade their team, but I do think there's a and, – and they did some very good things. Listen, we'll see about the Bamba for Bryant swap, essentially. I mean, they traded Patrick Beverly, but Patrick Beverly was a pain in the rump in that locker room, and they really – they didn't want him there. Um, and Thomas Bryant was – they didn't want any trouble in that locker room anymore. And I'll get to that in a minute, but Thomas Bryant was complaining about playing time when Anthony Davis came back, so it was, it was easy to ship him out. And I feel like Bamba will play a better role and be an easier guy to have around there. I like Jared Vanderbilt a lot. I love Malik Beasley. He'll fit great there. So they did some good things. Here's my issue. Like, so they call Westbrook a vampire on the way out, as David Menon of the ESPN reports, and, and really kind of smeared Westbrook on the way out. And Westbrook was in no way easy to deal with in that locker room because he had a very hard time adjusting to the role they wanted him to play. And even when he did, he seemed to always be the scapegoat. And I don't blame him at all for getting turned off. You brought in D'Angelo Russell. And I know he can shoot. And I know he puts up numbers. This guy's considered one of the worst teammates in the league. Okay, think about what he did in L.A. the first time with Snapchat and Nicky Young. I saw his act in Brooklyn. And Brooklyn, they said he was turning it around. I saw his act in Brooklyn. I mean, if, as selfish a guy as you'll ever encounter. Think about this, guys. Carl Anthony Towns and him were the best of friends. Towns wanted him brought into Minnesota and stepped on management's head at the time to make that awful Wiggins and the draft pick that ended up being Kaminga trade for D'Angelo Russell. I worked pretty well for Golden State, not too well for Minnesota. Towns for the last year was telling them, get rid of this guy. I don't want to play with him anymore. Russell is, it's going to be very tough for Russell in LA, I think, because the, some of the stuff that he's pulled, some of the attitude that he's had, LeBron ain't going to play that. So I'm really interested to see what happens there. The third big story is the Clippers. And, and I think the Clippers are going to go get themselves a point guard here in the buyout market. It potentially could be Westbrook. I've heard it will be. I've heard it won't be. But they do need one after trading both Wall and Jackson. But bringing in Mason Plumlee is a sneaky, under-the-radar good move because now they have that backup big that they desperately need. The Eric Gordon deal is an excellent deal. He's a good two-way player, just gives him another shooter at, at, a, at a smaller wing spot. He can guard and defend. He'll switch over to play some point guard. It was a, They had a very strong deadline adding to what was already a really deep team. So to me, those are the three teams you look at all out west, and the west all of a sudden got a heck of a lot more compelling. Just going back to Tyler Hero really quickly, because you say that's the, the guy everybody was talking about when Miami was trying to ship out some of these deals. Uh, what do you think of the Heat not wanting to budge on Tyler Hero? We know he has the poison pill after this season, so that could have maybe kept them from getting as many assets as they, they possibly wanted to had they moved on from Tyler. But it looks like at this trade deadline, Gelty, the Heat said, Jimmy, Bam, and Hero are untouchable. That's what it felt like to us. Do you agree with that from the Miami Heat's perspective of not wanting to budge on Tyler Hero? Yes, I do. I, I, I agree with it. I, listen, he's a, he's a really good young player. 
he works really hard on his game. He, you know, he was Hollywood hero after his rookie year and playing like he did in the bubble. And they were able to kind of get him to turn around his attitude a little bit and go back to being the worker bee that got him to the, a point of where he got to in, in the bubble in 2020. And he has been that every every bit of that guy. And he's a team guy. He works hard. He's a, incredibly talented. You just don't get rid of young guys like that. You know? Don't. And, and if I'm the Heat, I got to understand what makes me tick. It's not like Miami's loaded with all this incredible shooting. Okay, the guy's a phenomenal shooter. Like, it's just you have to be careful what you do with certain guys. I totally listen. If trading hero was going to end up being the answer, you're essentially shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. And that's not something you want to do. I understand the Heat fan frustration. Butler doesn't have a big window here to be your leader on a championship caliber team. So, wanting to add, I get wanting to do that but bam and hero as a core for your future is a heck of a lot to build on i just don't know that it's smart to sacrifice any of that right now especially when i don't know if the move you would have made to bring in hero is going to move the needle enough to put you past philadelphia milwaukee or boston that's the other point about this listen the heat match up pretty good with the celtics if you get the celtics in a playoff series the heat is currently constitute can give them all they can handle they probably match up better with the celtics than anybody else in the conference we are, we've seen philly struggle with them a ton here this year so far so i i really i think that they did the right thing holding on to tyler hero i really did do you think with a, a core of jimmy bam and tyler hero as your one two three you can what contend or, or, so, or like you, you know what i mean because i don't think that contends with milwaukee it's milwaukee's a problem and milwaukee became more of a problem getting jay crowder that was the guy i wanted the heat to get the problem is the Heat didn't have enough seconds to go get him. They made five second-round picks from – we said two times five second-round picks were flipped in, in this trade. Deadline, I, I, asked which Crowder is and, I asked Crowder and Solana yesterday, if Jake Crowder in 2023 is worth five second-round picks, six years ago, was he worth ten second-round <laughs> picks? Like, what, what? I don't understand the market. The, the way things get thrown around. Listen, the market is what, what the market is. Fact is, is that Crowder was a player that was in demand because of what he's done in the past and the type of role player that he is. And he would have fit great back on the Heat. I talked about replacing the P.J. Tucker spot. Well, there you go. That was your perfect guy to replace him. And they were just, it's Milwaukee paid too much, but he was that important to Milwaukee for what they wanted. And it's just, it, it, you know, Hawk, it's a kind of thing. It's all in the eye of the beholder. Like Milwaukee felt like Jay Crowder was a really important piece for them that could essentially help put them over the hump because he can play four for them with Giannis at the five in some of these smaller lineups. And and that's going to be crucial for them come the playoffs because he Crowder at six five, six six plays bigger than he is. So it's the market's gone crazy. But I also say this about the market. I think it's important to note this, guys. The market peaked at the Gobert deal. I mean, the Gobert deal right now looks like and we're six months into it one of the all-time worst deals in the history of the sport okay i don't walker kessler right now is averaging more blocks a game than rudy gobert okay kessler went along with like four other players and four first round picks for him unprotected first round picks it's great i think three of them were unprotected it's crazy what was traded what was traded for rudy but the mitchell deal was a little less and the Durant deal was kind of consistent with the Mitchell deal. The player assets were better in the Durant deal than the Mitchell deal. But that's kind of the going price. You know, he, the Hoko the Bear deal was a huge outlier. And now the, the price of those stars has kind of come down to where it's been set here at Mitchell and Durant. And with Durant going for what he did, other future stars will probably go for a little bit less. 
I know the Heat, uh, my internal sources say they were thinking about offering 100 second-round picks for Jake Crowder, and they pulled it off the table at the last second. They thought they were going to get him with it, but they weren't certain. Uh, Brian Geltseiler, NBA Radio, Sirius XM, NBA TV as well. Uh, it is Football Friday, so who wins the Super Bowl? You know, it's tough because I can't stand Kansas City. For you, a cannot, you cannot pick against Philly up there. I, okay. I dare you. Why well, don't even dare me? I'm a giant fan. I can pick against Philly every day, <laughs> all day, and twice on Tuesday. I can pick against Philly all the time. I'm a giant fan. But I, I, I have a huge – listen, I, and I'm not going to get into why I don't like Kansas City, but I, I kind of – there's, you know, that, that head coach and that coaching staff and some things that have happened in the past are kind of objectionable about how things are handled and certain things are swept under the rug that bug me to no end. So I'm not a fan of Kansas City. I also have a very hard time seeing this coach and this quarterback and this experienced team – lose this football game this is an enormous stage and if you haven't been there before it becomes tough and I think that Kansas City's experience and the fact that even though as banged up as they've been the two weeks of rest really benefit them so as much as it pains me to say I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win this game mm-hmm. all right there you go doesn't want him to but he's going to be forced uh-huh. to pick them how are you going to watch the game Gelty? I picture you having like a a man's man spread like uh what are you thinking? Like cheesesteaks, cigars, but he eats them. Like, because oh, you're a man's man. Like, you're just. It's beef in there now, Hawk. There's beef. some beef. Definitely, There's some beef, in, definitely front of beef in there. Yeah. But I'll tell you where you have me wrong. I do not smoke cigars. Okay. Really? And I do not. And it's funny because, and I, first of all, I don't enjoy cigars all that much. But even for the occasional cigar on the golf course, I am. I get kicked out of my bed if I come home stinking like cigar. I'm not so. So right then and there, listen, hot. You know the way it is. My wife will not tolerate that odor. Okay, in our house. So I'm not. And and listen, certain things I'll push back on her with. Sometimes I don't mess. The cigars aren't worth it to me to have the fight. No, I'm actually going over a buddy of mine's house, and it's just he and his wife, and me and my wife, and he he never skimps on what he caters. It's my buddy Elliot, the anesthesiologist, man. So I'm sure oh, at one point anesthesiologist he knows what he's raking doing. in money. So, so we're gonna have a really nice spread. He put me in charge of dessert and texted me, "Don't go crazy." And I said to him, "When do you ever know me not to go crazy? <laughs> like you put, you're gonna put me in charge of dessert. You cannot have a ton of leftovers. I'm mean, again because I'm going to the Italian bakery to bring a whole huge box of pastries, eclairs and schfuyadel and cream puffs, and they got the little <laughs> carrot cakes and the cheesecakes. I'm bringing it all. He'll have a lot of food there, but it is a small environment for me to for the Super Bowl because I actually." really do want to sit down and watch the game. And then the other thing that's fun is the commercials. Look, I've seen a couple of leaks of commercials. There's a cool Travolta Grease commercial that's yes. coming, you know, that that looked pretty cool. Um, last year, we got that great Sopranos commercial for Chevy. Like, when you're in a huge crowd and a huge party, how do you watch? Like, you can't relax and watch that stuff and pay attention to everything. So it's really like the perfect environment for me. Plus, my Dr. Elliot, my guy, okay, he he serves the good tequila boys, so that that that's going to be important as well. Okay, <laughs> because listen, I was away over Christmas vacation in Puerto Rico, all right, and I was I was at a place called Tacos and Tequilas in a um, Condado Plaza, and I'm sitting there, and all the waitresses and waiters have shirts on that says Tequila Helps. I go on Amazon and I order one. Tequila Helps. It helps with everything. <laughs> I got the T-shirt. I'm wearing it. So consider I'm not a fan of either team. I'm wearing it to Elliot Taft on Sunday. <laughs> It's it's funny. We were talking about it off air. So I'm invited to a Super Bowl party, and they said, bring something. 
Guilty, you're saying I have to match the the level of of prestige as the person's house I'm going to because they're not rich. Not necessarily. Here, so here's my point to you. You really don't know them, Channing, right? Mm-hmm. You're no. going to somebody's house you really don't know. Okay, yeah. and you got to bring something. Here's what I'm bringing if I'm you. Something that you really like. Okay, bring something that you're going to enjoy and that you're going to eat. Because the truth of the matter is, you're not guaranteed to like everything there. Bring something that, that's going to make you happy. That's and and listen, you leave it there when you're done. You're not going to be like the Costanzas and take the marble ride back with you. You know what I mean? <laughs> like so, so you'll leave it there. But, but at least while you're there during the game, you'll enjoy it. Be selfish. I like it. I'm already. I think it's a great idea, right? Why not? Tell you what, if what? I was going to a party and it was Dr. Elliot, the anesthesiologist, and he said, what's for dessert? I'd say propofol and get it fired <laughs> up and ready to go because we're going to end this night the way that it's meant to be ended. I'm not going to be feeling any pain. I'll, I, that I can promise you, okay? Right. He'll have anything I ask for. Huh? What are you doing? That's just me and the wife. Just me and the oh. wife. Literally, the two of us, she's from Philly. She wants to watch the game, and I, I'm kind of with you. I, you get in the big crowd, you can't watch the commercials that I want to watch. So we debated because friends of ours are having a party, and we just said, you know what? Just the two of us, and we'll, uh, she's going to make some homemade cheesesteaks. And uh, I bought some tasty cakes today when I was out at Publix to make it feel like Philly a little bit, and uh, we'll sit back and watch the game. Good stuff. That Channing Solano, listen to this piece of advice I'm about to give Hawk. It's very important marriage advice. The term the wife you got to lose the the in the wife. It's my <laughs> wife. The wife is like the TV, the chair, the kitchen, okay, the washing machine. She's not the wife. She gives you a little glimpse. Wife. Gives okay. you a little glimpse into the Listen, Hockman I, household. Okay, I've been divorced once, all right? <laughs> no the wife, dude. It's my wife, okay? Hence I was why taking I'm not smoking cigars. Okay? I was taking your cigar story as advice. As to how I can get kicked out. <laughs> oh, that's all it takes? Go smoke a cigar and she'll tell me to hit it? Bye. <laughs> You're going to see me here in the next hour just smoking a cigar as I do the show. Out like poop through a goose, Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Geltzeiler. Follow him on uh, Twitter, NBA. Listen to him on Sirius XM NBA Radio. See him on NBA TV. Thank you, Geltzy. Appreciate your time. Always, you guys are the best. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks so much. Yes, sir.